You know I love a high-low moment. From the heart of New York City. Morning, people. It's Morning People with Preston Conrad. Yep, into it. And it all starts right now. Guys, today's episode is with Dr. Jamie Zuckerman, also known as Dr. Z on social media. She's the host of It's Me with Dr. Z, the podcast. When I tell you this is one of my most favorite episodes, I mean it. We get into everything from improving your daily routine to identifying narcissistic traits, managing anxiety, dealing with social. I mean, this is a world of info and fun all in one podcast. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back and enjoy this chat with Dr. Z. Dr. Z, hi, I'm so happy to have you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. You're our first psychologist we've had on the show and I'm kind of nervous. (laughs) 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 I know, I can tell. I follow you on Instagram and I've just like fallen in love with your content and how how did you get your start in this world? Um, I I, Because I can only imagine it's such a random good time for a psychologist to be active on social media because so many people are seeking inspiration and guidance. But how did you get your start to begin with? Yeah. So as a psychologist, I I was always fascinated with the brain. Um, And I just, and still, I just, I'm fascinated by it. Um, It's just beyond our comprehension. And I, and I, kind of in that like dorky way. I just like the brain. And and then I just, that just kind of morphed over time into how our brains play into our behaviors and how it plays into our patterns. And then how our just upbringings and our life experiences combined with that create us. And, um, you know, and I, I took the route more of therapy because I just found it fascinating that by changing our behaviors, we can kind of make a better us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of how that happens. Um, and then how did you start sharing on social? Is it, is it normal for a psychologist to share? I would imagine for every you know type of uh, job, you want to be active yeah. on social. But when did you find your groove there? Because you're at what's almost 78,000 followers on Instagram. It's so crazy. Um, So I actually, I vividly remember this when um, I started it. I remember this. I was at the beach and our, one of my kids' babysitters was there. And I said, do psychologists have Instagram pages or is that weird? You know? (laughs) And so I started looking and, and and this was about two and a half years ago and they did. So I just slowly started posting things that resonated with me. um, And then over, I would say right before the pandemic, it started kind of really reaching a lot of people. I started doing more lives and, and really connecting with people. And then during the pandemic, it just, I think because people were home and people were having such a difficult time and all our yeah. difficulties and insecurities really just came out yeah. and um, it just went from there um, and people really needed help and really were searching for resources. So that's, that's how it really kind of exploded. It's really amazing what you do and what you share. I mean, you, so you specialize and you ever correct me if I ever say anything wrong, but you yeah. specialize really in, in, in narcissism um, and narcissistic behavior, but I can only imagine that you deal with so much more uh, in your world. What's like, What's kind of like your go-to thing that besides, is it narcissism that everyone knows you for? Or what do people seek you out for? Or what are the most people 
asking for help with? Is it influx of media and news and social? Because to me, it's a lot, right? Yeah. And even and I live and breathe it. Yeah, it's a lot, and it's very overwhelming. And you know, especially like what what you do, you have to be in. You have to keep up with it. It's yeah. your livelihood, and so it's a really fine line between doing it because you need to versus it overwhelming you. Um, so I would say most people probably seek me out for having been in relationships with a narcissist or having, you know, are currently in a relationship with a narcissist and need help navigating that, um, or toxic relationships in general, and also anxiety. I do a lot of work with anxiety and worry, um, everyday stress and just strategies yeah. of how to manage life and, and understanding that it's it's not easy, it's not perfect, and it's not going to be, and giving yep. people the tools to navigate that. So narcissism, I want to ask you a question because it's funny. I have this um, inner demon that I think probably a lot of people in my space have where um, I'm such a people person and I, I could talk to the wall for 40 minutes. Like I love people. I like asking questions. But at the end of the day, I have to put pictures of myself and videos of myself on the internet all day long to make a living. It's part of it's a big part of yeah. me making a living. And I battle with this thing, you know, when I see an old high school friend or someone from my family seeing it, they must and I'm like I say to myself, god, they must think I'm so narcissistic. And and it's just it, it's almost like I want to have a separate private Instagram just to share my dog stuff and where I went to the store today, but how how do you people balance those feelings of feeling narcissistic, but not being a narcissist, because from all the datelines I've watched, narcissists <laughs> are a real thing. And I'm not that, but I can imagine that it's a battle that a lot of people have in this new yes. life where we share ourselves all day. Yes. Yes. So <laughs> it's an excellent question. And I, I, you are not alone in that for sure. So, um, and I feel that way too, you know, it's, it's right? uncomfortable at times. It really is uncomfortable, but it's also necessary to get your work out there. Yeah. Um, and so the first thing I tell people is if you have that concern, yep. you're not a narcissist. If oh my you God, that's have interesting. That, yeah. If you have that worry that other people are looking at you and you're, and it concerns you and there's empathy and there's that feeling of, Oh, I don't want to come off like this, but I have to. And that inner turmoil that you're talking about, right. Mm. Is, is human and normal. And mm. it's just, it really just means you're you're a good balanced person <laughs> mm. um, or else you wouldn't care at all. Okay, so so a, nar a, a true narcissist, would that's not a, 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 a thought that would really cross their brain. At all. At wow. all. Wow. Okay. Um, Makes me feel better. <laughs> yeah, no, you wouldn't, you wouldn't care. There's a lack of empathy. There's a lack of concern for how other people view you. Other people's opinions and feelings don't exist. Wow. Yeah. So- is that so? Are those thoughts? Because I hear this phrase like thrown around a lot, and I, I am very confident. Like I, I know um, if I if I can do something, I'm like I'm a type three enneagram. I'm like I say yes to being to knowing I'll be able to figure it out before I can know how to do it. But there's this phrase imposter syndrome that I'm like maybe maybe I'm an maybe it's just an imposter syndrome thing that I think I'm being narcissistic. What is imposter syndrome and are we all kind of affected by that in this new world? So I think well, to start, I think, no, let me just talk about narcissistic 
features because I think yes, because let's let's help identify what that is because maybe people yeah. don't realize they're in a narcissistic relationship or having, you know, interacting with someone who's not good for them in that way. Yeah. So I think as far as how it relates to imposter syndrome, the nar- narcissistic traits and features are totally normal. We all have them. Yep. It just depends on the degree to which we're able to a rein them in when they're not hmm. needed or they don't work, and our awareness of them and how it affects other people. So everybody has those narcissistic features. It makes us motivated. It makes us driven. It makes us experts in our field. It makes us feel confident. Um, mm. and it, you know, kind of gives us this forward motion. So that's normal to have. Um, and you know, your narcissistic features, let's say may come out in domains where you feel you're an expert in as they should. But then when you're around people where that's not the situation, you rein them back in, right? right? So it's normal and healthy. Um, for imposter syndrome, though, I, you know, imposter syndrome typically, not all the time, but typically is found within people who are very highly driven, high achievers, are successful and have kind of higher expectations for themselves or other people put high expectations on them. Um, Got it. And it's, it, and it, it is on a continuum. You know, sometimes people have it, but they're able to talk themselves out of it in a sense, or they're aware that they're having it, but it's not real. Whereas other people can be really paralyzing for them to get ahead. With, because of imposter syndrome. Yeah. 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 It's weird. I, you know, I try, um, I, I'm just such a yes person. Like I'm like, nope, I can do it. Yep. I can handle it. Yep. I'll figure it out. And, And a lot of people ask me in the DMS, Oh, how did you get this done? Or how did you achieve this? And I wish I had a better answer than, Oh, I just felt like I could, tackle it. But, um, that's interesting that a lot, the paralyzing effect, because I, I see it as such a commonplace thing. It's like, we'll figure it out. I'll I'll ask someone, I'll get help. Um, but it is something that must paralyze a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, being able to get help when you need it is extremely healthy. And a lot of people with significant imposter syndrome have a very difficult time asking for help or delegating tasks. Got it. Um, I wanted to ask you something. You brought up something about narcissist. Oh, yes. So it's funny. So when I go hang out in a group of like friends or Mm -hmm. a larger group, people sometimes will be like, I don't know, expect, uh, I I get quiet. Like, cause sometimes I feel like I'm like, uh, an, an, uh, introvert trapped in like an extrovert's body. But is that what you were talking about? How, um, those narcissists, you know, being narcissistic is part of everybody and a little bit, but that you kind of like balance it a little bit and you take a back, like I find myself taking a back seat in larger groups because I'm like nervous or I just want to be quiet or just observe. Is that normal for someone who's so public and does public things? And it's actually more common than you think. Um, A lot of (laughs) public figures or people that are out in the public eye a lot, when they're not in that situation, they tend to be more reserved and quiet. And that could be for a whole bunch of different reasons. Some people, right you know, who are anxious in social situations, it's, it's very nuanced based. You know, I have people who are great in groups, but mm. one-on-one conversations is, is so uncomfortable for them or social situations is uncomfortable for them, but one-on-one conversations are, are, are okay. I don't, I don't, there's nothing wrong with that. As long as it doesn't, I always say this, everyone, as long as the behavior doesn't interfere with your daily functioning. So if you find yep. that you're avoiding events, you're avoiding social interactions because you're anxious, that's when it becomes problematic. Interesting. Okay. I mean, I also feel like, cause I'm old now, I like to avoid things. I'm like, I'm tired. I'm watching Bravo. I'm not going out. I'm not going there. 
I think it's just kind of coming into yourself and just kind of, yeah. you know, I've done that. I've been there. I'm, I'm good to sit here. Yeah. I'm good. <laughs> Speaking of avoiding, um, talk to me a little bit about finding a healthy relationship with social media. Because for example, like, it's so funny, I've just gotten into TikTok recently. I love it. I've gained tons of followers. I'm having a blast. But it is a vacuum of wild comments and some nasty people. And um, so sometimes if I don't open it for like three days, I'm too afraid to open it. I get massive anxiety to even open the app. Do you have any tips for people of how to have a healthy relationship with social because yeah. it can make you feel like shit seeing yep. people like me doing things, seeing people like anyone doing something that you want to be doing. Even me, I feel that way. Uh, what are some mm-hmm. tips? So I always say with social media, you have to do it in managed doses and managed doses for everybody is going to be based on what they use it for. So your idea mm-hmm. of managed doses is going to be different than, you know, somebody right. else's idea of managed doses, right? So you want to make sure that you have almost like a schedule or a routine for it. You check mm-hmm. it in the morning, you check in the afternoon, but it's set time. So you build it into your schedule because what that does is it removes that, um, that feeling of exactly what you're talking about. Should I look, should I not look in it? And then it, that kind of builds on itself until you have this large feeling of anxiety that Mm. could have almost like a balloon. If you let it out slowly, slowly, slowly over time, it doesn't feel as Mm. dramatic, but if you fill it up and you don't let her let it out, it's going to explode. So Mm. you want to make sure that you do it gradually over time. And it also reduces mindless scrolling because what mindless scrolling does is it feeds into that anxiety of, oh no, this person did this, or I'm not doing this, or, you know, I, I should have, I missed the boat on this, or maybe I said the wrong thing. So it takes away from that self-comparison, uh, that mindless How do you scrolling. stop the mindless scrolling? Like, cause I was sitting at a restaurant the other night waiting for someone and I was like, God, could, what did I do my whole life before my phone? Like, how would I sit here? How would I, how would I be a normal human being? Like, and I find that it's just like, I used to smoke back in the day, like a packet, it's a fixation to touch the phone and pull it out or I'll count how many seconds before I take the phone back out after I put it in my freaking pocket. Yes. How do you stop that? (laughs) So the first, so it becomes so habitual. And I always say this, I'm like, what did I, like, I didn't have this in college. Like what? What did I do with myself? Right. Same. I must have just read what read magazines. I mean, right. I, I don't know. What was doing? Where they were going? What they were wearing? I had no idea. You had no yeah. idea unless you saw them face to face. Yeah. Um, I, so the first thing with that is is you have to be aware hmm. in the moment of when you're doing it. So the first step, and this is awareness, is is just even bringing yourself, not even to the phone, but bringing yourself into the present moment to be very mindful of exactly what's going on at that moment. What noises are you hearing? What smells are you smelling? You know, how do you, how do you feel when you're sitting in the chair? Because what that does is it brings attention to everything that you're doing at that time. So you can say, oh, I'm doing it again. So the goal isn't to not do it in the beginning. The goal is to become aware of when you are doing it to bring yourself back to the present moment. Um, you know, I also tell people sometimes even something simple like a penny or, you know, like a small feather that would like come out of your pillow or something like that to keep that with you. So for that tactile sensation that you're talking about, it's something that it will, I'm not big on distraction, but it's, it's, it's something that can kind of. It's almost like tying a string on your finger back in the day. Remember? Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So would so a fidget I, spinner yeah. count as a distraction? 
Fidget spinners, I actually am a big fan of. Stress balls, I'm a big fan of because it's something, anything tactile forces you to be in the present moment. Yep. Yeah, that's so true. So would that be the same for breaking other bad habits, like checking the phone, the same kind of like constant reminder or being present? Was that guidance you would give there too? Absolutely. Yep. You want something that's always bringing you into the present because what scrolling does is not only does it take you out of the present moment, but it also helps you avoid your internal discomfort that you're having at the moment. So people probably don't realize this, but when they're nervous about something or they're anxious or they're worrying about something, that's when people will do the mindless scrolling because that act of scrolling takes them away Mm. from their worry. The problem is, like I said, with the balloon, the more you avoid your discomfort in the moment, the Mm. larger it becomes. So it it forces you to have to sit with your shit. Yeah, which no one wants to do. I mean, when I stopped really like drinking alcohol back in the day, it really forced me to sit with my shit. I mean, because you're like, oh my God, I'm sad. How am I going to deal with that? (laughs) You know, it's It's uncomfortable. uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Speaking of uncomfortable things, um, I I think there's probably a good part of me that's um, a bit angry gets anxiety or gets anxious, just given like the heightened things always happening in my life. Yep. What are some general, how do you identify if you have anxiety? You know, cause I think the phrase is thrown around. Uh, if yep. I watch a reality show 10 times, I'm, I, I, uh, I'm anxious. I have anxiety yes. and I know friends that really struggle with anxiety. Um, so how do you know when it's to the place where you should talk to someone like yourself about how to manage it? Yeah. So again, I go back to Well, let me start with anxiety is a normal human emotion, just like sadness, just like happiness. If we didn't have anxiety, we'd be dead. Meaning that's like the best thing I've heard all day because it it feels like it's such a, you've been treated with, you've been diagnosed with where it's like, I think you can just be anxious, right? Of course. That's like, it's the equivalent of saying, like, you can't cherry pick your emotions, which listen, I, I would love to be happy. 24 seven. But Same. if I wake up and I step on a Lego, I'm going to like, and so you have to be careful one that your goal is never a mood. You should never mm-hmm. have mood based goals. They're moving targets. Your mood could switch. Like, you know, my electricity could go out right now and we could lose connection. Like, and then what, you know, does that, Oh my God, I'm writing that down because some <laughs> days like the name of this mood based goals, like the name of this podcast is morning people, right? Like if I don't say good morning people on my Instagram, people will DM me and they're like, is everything okay? You didn't say it this morning. And I'm like, I, I just woke up. Yeah, I'm happy, but I just, I'm happy, but I can't promise I'm going to wake up that happy every single day. Like I can't. And some days I do. I'm like, you did. some days I try to say, I'm like, I got to be in a good mood today. And that, I, that sets me up for failure. Correct. It should be, what do I have to do today? Did I do it? Yes or no. And the more yeses you have, the more likely it is that you will have had a more fulfilling day. I really Mm. strongly encourage people to stay away from goals, from mood-based goals, because like like I said, with anxiety, if we didn't have anxiety, we'd be dead. We would cross the street and not look both ways, period. Mm. We would, during the pandemic, we would have not worn masks because we wouldn't have cared we would have gotten sick. So anxiety is a necessary emotion. It keeps us safe. It gives us information about our world. 
So mm. we have to have anxiety. Where, where I tell people to be cautious is if that anxiety begins to interfere with your daily functioning, meaning it's messing up your sleep, it's messing up your appetite, you are having difficulty getting out of bed, you're isolating from people, you are you know, not doing things that you enjoy, you're making more mistakes, that's when anxiety becomes more clinical in nature. But to not have anxiety is a very unrealistic expectation, especially in the last couple of years. I mean- if you didn't have anxiety, it wouldn't match the context of the situation. So even though it feels bad, it's appropriate to context. I mean, got it. If you didn't have anxiety the last couple of years, I'm more concerned. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember I have a friend, he's been on the podcast who is West Coast, relaxed, grounded. His husband uh, is a breathwork guy, and I've never met him. We're just friends on Instagram, and I DM'd him. He was like, oh, I'm doing these tea ceremonies over Zoom with people to help them chill out. And I DM this guy. I'm like, hi, I don't believe in any of that shit, but I need a tea ceremony. Just because I needed to like sit (laughs) and like (laughs) deal with my head, you know? Um, But so how do you, how does one um, distinguish between um, going through a bout of anxiety and being, feeling depressed? because I think there is often a blurred line there where I'll, yeah. I'll hear people throw the words around, I'm depressed, when maybe they're just a bit more anxious about something. And I think we're all so eager to title everything when we can't just yeah. sit with our emotions. How, what's the line there? So anxiety and depression are best friends. They do not Got go it. anywhere without each they other. They go to the mall together all the time. Okay. Everywhere. <laughs> they they are okay. never separate. Um, and I, to be honest with you, the way I actually treat people with that, I mean, there's specific treatments for anxiety and depression, but they're so interconnected that it's really, mm. really doesn't make sense to do it separately. One feeds into the other. So Got sometimes it. anxiety is more pronounced than the depression or vice versa. But um, again, it goes to the level of impairment in your functioning. We are probably in the last, again, couple of years as a society, as a whole, sadder, more anxious. Yeah. Again, it's appropriate to context. So it I feel goes, that. I feel yeah. sadder in the last three years. And we're human. How can we not? Yeah. I mean, just turning on the news every day, you know, I'm just, I'm just sadder. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so that's I mean, normal. That's totally normal. You have em- we have empathy. We have sympathy. We there's so many horrible things going on right now. It would be weird. Yeah. Like what? Do, what? Do you, what? Do we, that's why I say to you. What emotion do you expect to have right now? Happiness. Right. That's you why know, it's funny. I've unfollowed people who I used to love. Who it's too. Ha- There's no acknowledgement of the yes. fact that like not everything's per- like. Right. Maybe never mentioned in their world, a pandemic never happened on Instagram. I'm like, how have you not talked about it once? How have you not mentioned? So like it and is and is that something you recommend doing that if someone makes you feel a way to demute them on Instagram or unfollow yes. them or something? A hundred percent. I think what we noticed during the pandemic, I talked about this for toxic, the idea of toxic positivity, which mm. is the it could be worse. It's fine. You know, there's, you know, during breakups, there's other fish in the sea or, you know, it's not that bad. You have everything going for you. What do you have to be upset about? Those kind of statements are so invalidating and so damaging. And mm. I really, and I saw this on Instagram a lot over the pandemic, especially with certain influencers. And I stopped following people too, because it was this, then the people watching are like, Oh, something wrong with me that I'm not 
living right. my best life right now because of all times to live your best life, it definitely wasn't going to be the last couple of years. No. I mean, right. Okay. So that's a good, healthy step. Oh, yeah. Take. I tell people to, to limit that all the time, all the time. Well, I think that leads me actually what I wanted to ask you about next, which is like, what are some baby steps to get right with your mental health progressively, right? Like I think um, a lot of, especially people like in New York City are like, I don't have time. I don't have this. I got to do A, Y, Z. But maybe it's something as simple as muting or unfollowing someone that you're not realizing gives you that tingy feeling. But what are some other things that people can start incorporating into their day-to-day? Yeah. So, you know, everybody is busy. We're all busy, right? Everybody's busy. And um, and our time's important. And so we want to maximize it as best as we can. But by the way, it's not to interrupt you. Is the busy thing a trigger, like psychology wise? Like, I just feel like everyone's, I'm too, like, it's like an inflate, self inflation. Some, I don't know, like, yes, I'm yeah. fucking busy. <laughs> but yeah. um, I also yeah. feel like it's a bad move to say to people. Sometimes I just say, I'd rather not instead yes. of I'm busy because the yeah. I'm busy is just like this secret self-inflation thing. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes people think that being busy is a badge of honor almost mm. that yeah. it's, it's, it's this, it makes you feel more important, um, mm. which may be the case for some people. But I, I, I think sometimes being bu- I'm busy um, is a way for people to either avoid, like I said, their internal crappiness that they don't want to feel. So they just stay busy, stay busy. I'm too busy. I'm too busy. You know how people say, well, I can't make an appointment with you. I'm too busy. So right. to me, that means they either don't like me and they're done, right? Or yeah. it means, you know, they, it's a way of saying, I don't want to deal with my shit. I'm just going to so keep easier. Yeah, it's it. easier to say I'm busy than I'm not ready. Yes, exactly. To see you, or I don't you have know? time or, mm-hmm. you know, I'm overwhelmed because if they say they're overwhelmed, you know, especially imposter syndrome, if they say they're overwhelmed, they feel like they're kind of this failure because they mm. should be able to take this on, but they can't, or they don't mm. think they can do it or, you know, they don't feel they're competent enough. So I'm busy is a very good way to kind of, you know, go like that. Right. Okay. So um, back to, back to the steps yeah. we can take. So yes, we're all busy. <laughs> yeah. We're all busy. Yeah. Um, it's small steps. So I, really like when people start with sleep Hmm. because if you, if you, if you don't start with small sleep hygiene techniques, and when I say small, I, I always tell my patients, I tell everyone insultingly small steps. So I tell people to make a step and when they look at it written down and they say, that's so easy. I'm wasting my time with this. That's, that's a perfect step. Hmm. I want you. What kind of of step is that? It could be anything from somebody. So they'll say, okay, I want to go to the gym. I want to work out. Okay, great. I want to do four days a week. Okay. Well, how many days a week have you been doing so far? None. Zero. (laughs) Well, let's start with, why don't you walk to get your mail three times a week? And they'll be like, what? But the reason for that is because it's not about getting to the gym four or five days a week. It's about slowly increasing your sense of mastery and accomplishment. It doesn't matter how big the step is. You Mm. want that reinforcement of accomplishment. So it makes Mm. you feel better. It makes you feel good about yourself. So the next step of let me go to the gym one day a week for 30 minutes Mm -hmm. now feels doable rather than setting yourself up for these lofty goals and expectations and falling short and then feeling like an imposter or feeling like a failure or feeling depressed or anxious. So start really small. So I like starting with sleep, even something as simple as, you know, 
I don't care if you go to sleep or not, but just start your bedtime routine at the same time every night. That's I was going to say, even your first thing is, is kind of routine based, the walk into the mailbox, right? Yes. Like it's about building routines. Like every night, like this is my fear when I go out, when people ask me to go out to dinner, I'm yes. like, but then I'm going to miss my, my window. Like at 10, phone is down yeah. at 10, 15 faces being washed and 10, but it's every night it's clinical. Yeah. Like I'm like, yeah. I, and I don't even have a TV in my bedroom. I just do it every single night. Is that yeah. the kind of thing that you recommend having that looking forward to routine? I do. I, but at the same time, you want to make sure you're, you're, you're flexible enough where you're not avoiding things that, that you also need to be doing, right? Like, let's say you right. have a business dinner and you have to go, you want to, have that cognitive flexibility to feel a little uncomfortable that you're going to miss your window. Right. I need to get better at that. Like if I'm at to dinner with a client, I'll like yeah. panic and be like, I yeah. need to go home. It's 10 right. o'clock. Cause then you're not present in your meeting. Correct. Yeah. So you want to also, I'm like, who the hell stays out to dinner at 10 o'clock? Go to bed. Let's watch TV. Like, hello. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Right. exactly. This is the other person's fault. Right. <laughs> exactly. It's not my fault. I, I'm, I'm flexible. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so small things like that, or, you know, cutting out one thing during the day that is unhealthy for you to eat one thing, one yep. thing, that's it. Yep. Or, you know, like I said, going to the, or, and this is something I work on routinely. I have a really hard time putting laundry away. I mean, it's embarrassing. You should say I've got, I've got all this laundry sitting yeah. over here right behind it's me. Bad. It's really yeah. bad and it's really embarrassing. And so I really try my hardest to do like a cup, like if, you know, half of the pile once, you know, at, at night and then half pile the other. Cause if I give myself the goal of put all your laundry away, I'm never going to do it. And then it builds and it builds. And then I'm really never going to do it. Then I get embarrassed. Then I get mad at myself. And so it's this vicious cycle. So you want to start insultingly small. Can you put three shirts away? Yes, Jamie, I can put three shirts away. So again, it's to build that sense of mastery, get into a rhythm, get into a routine, stop taking on the world at once because it, it will set you up for failure. I love that approach. It's so funny. Before COVID, I worked out like a crazy person. I mean, five days a week, I had my routines, my classes, my book, my soul cycle, but bloop, bloop. COVID happened, gained a bunch of weight. Couldn't get back into it. And so I'm like, I'm going to, um, I'm going to walk. So I started walking. I'm like, let me just do it. And I, I was like, wow, I can't even hit these 10,000 steps. Like yeah. that's a lot. And I just reset and set these baby goals. And now I'm back at the gym again and it feels yes. good, but it was insulting to me. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, and that's what I tell people. I let them know that it, by saying so really small, that it's expected that you're going yeah. to feel bad about this. You know, yeah. I let people know these goals you're going to set are not going to make you feel good emotionally. Like I, you know, if you go from working out five days a week to not being able to get 10,000 steps, that's like a hit to your self-esteem. Right. Yeah. So I, right. So I tell people that it is going to suck for a little bit, but this is the only way to get you back to that point. If you wow. even want to go back to that point. That's the well, other how thing. do you know if you want to get, so like I went through this thing where I was like, I was joking to my friends. I'm like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to let it go. Maybe I'm going to be happier, just yeah. 10 pant sizes bigger. And maybe that's how I'm meant to be. Maybe I'm not supposed to be wearing skinny suits or whatever. Like, is that, how do you recognize if the goal is something that you really even want? I mean, at, ultimately I know that I feel better when I'm healthy. Right. Um, but is that, do people often project what they think they need to be? 
doing and acting like? Yeah. So I, I, I love that question. So I think there's two answers to that. One is people often make the assumption that how they feel about themselves and what they want in life is going to be consistent throughout their life. It's mm. not. And so you're allowed to change what's important to you about yourself, about other people, what you look for in other people, what's what you look for in yourself over time. And that's mm. healthy. Yeah. Um, the other thing to keep in mind too, is that, you know, it's, it's, it's okay to reassess what I, not your goals, but your values. You mm. always have to constantly reassess your values. So there's goals and then there, then there's values. If mm. you value being a healthy person, you're, you're going to want your goals as small or as big as they are to be in line with that value. Because mm. if you value being healthy, but your behavior is taken in the opposite direction, you put yourself at risk for anxiety, depression, and stress, and all that. So if your goal is to be a healthy person, chances are you're going to formulate goals that get you in that direction. It's when our goals don't match up to our values or, you know, I'll give you an example as a, as a mother, right? So right. there's this expectation that like, we're supposed to do, I'm supposed to work. I'm supposed to be a mom. I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to take care of myself. I'm supposed to do all of these things. Yep. Um, but I may not value all of them the same. Right. 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 So I have to make sure that my goals and what I strive to be better in or, or grow in is consistent with my values. And that can you know? change. And it, it should change. Yeah. That's funny. I, 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 um, I said to the guy who trained me, he's still my trainer. I told him, I said, honestly, I don't care as much. Like I care. Mm -hmm. But since COVID, like I rather take care of myself in different ways. Like I go do different, and, and I, I, I literally, my, I feel changed out there. Yes. And it's nothing even happened to me except what we all went through as a group. Yeah. It's super healthy. That's super healthy because if you continue to work out, but your value of being healthy has shifted, or your view of being healthy has shifted, but you yeah. didn't change that behavior, mm. it's not going to be something you get enjoyment from. Right. It's a chore. It's not like I, cause I love the feeling of when I leave something that said, I, I got to do that. Not I had to do that. And exactly. right. I, I start to not feel that way. If I know I'm just doing it like, you know, for, for that, no reason at all. Right. And I always tell people, this isn't like a practice route. This is it. This is all we got. So, right. you know, you want to make sure that what you're doing are things, you know, that are in line with what you value. I could talk to you for 20 more hours, <laughs> but then I'd have to be your client, which I probably will be after this. Um, how this, this has been so such fun. a treat. This has been such a treat. How can everybody find you? Listen to you have a podcast yourself. How can everybody tell us all the things? Cause I would love everybody to know you better. Oh, thank you. Um, so my website is drjamiezuckerman.com and Instagram. I post a ton of stuff about all, all the things we talked about, anxiety, narcissism, imposter syndrome, and stress. Um, and that is, it's, it's kind of complicated because the one I wanted to, they didn't have. So it's dr, yep. dr period Z underscore psychologist. So dr period Z underscore psychologist. Um, and then my podcast is called it's me, Dr. Z. And the second season is coming out September 5th. Um, and you can find that wherever you download your podcasts. Oh my gosh. Dr. Z, this has been the best start to my day. I hope it has for everybody else as well. And I can't wait to um, become one of your clients very soon when you have an opening. Let's do it. Let's <laughs> Thank do you it. so much. Thank All you. Right. Thanks for having me. This podcast is a part of the Upstarter Podcast Network. 
podcasts are an amazing way for you guys to build and increase the value of your personal brand. So if you're looking to start a podcast just like I did, visit upstarterpods.com to get started today. 